0: Today I'm going to give you some tips for game jams. How's it going, everyone? Um, Welcome to the 16th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I'm your host, Zachavelli. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at underscore Zacavelli underscore, and I would encourage everyone to join our Discord. Um, The open invite link is in the show notes. It's also in my Twitter bio. And yeah, it's a great place to uh, come and learn and share with others about the uh, craft of game development. Speaking of the craft of game development, let's go over to the Game Dev Challenge. The Game Dev Challenge is the part of the show where uh, I give you every episode, I give a prompt, and then you guys send in your submissions on the Discord, um, and it's a good way to kind of Get some reps in on game development, whether that be through game design ideas or actually making sprites or whatever. It kind of depends on the prompt. But last week's prompt was a game design prompt, and it was about designing and giving your elevator pitch for a melee combat system. And the game dev challenge for episode 15 was kind of a tight race, um, but there are two front runners. Um, and that would be Yarnskald and Dot Ico. So I'm gonna read both of their submissions. Let's start with Yarnskald. I hope I'm saying that right. But anyway, so it was a short idea, but I think it was a. It's an idea that sounds like a lot of fun. And so Yarnskald's post reads: A PvP combat game where you control the arms with buttons. Think Quop except with axes and swords. If you don't know what Quap is, um, I think it's free online. If you want to go play it, but it's a game where um, you control a sprinter, uh, but you literally control like his thighs and calf muscles with buttons, like on both legs. And so you have to like contract the muscles right to get him to walk. And it's always fun and always kind of like a goofy. I guess you could call it like a running simulator, but I don't know. It's it's incredibly difficult and goofy, but uh, it's also just like a lot of fun and I think like a party um, pvp combat game where you had similar mechanics uh, with the co-op buttons and you had axes and swords your arms would kind of just be like flailing wildly <laughs> with with sharp swords and axes I think that would be um, like a really fun party game I don't think it would get too serious with the actual like depth of the melee combat but if you're playing op or a co-op-like game, uh, you're not looking for depth, right? You're just, like, trying to have fun. And I think this is a really awesome, like, party game idea. Although, I mean, for me personally, you'd probably have to turn the self-collisions off with the axes and swords (laughs) because I feel like you would be accidentally stabbing and slicing yourself a lot. But yeah, as a sort of, like, short experience and a um, PvP party game, I think there is a lot of fun to be had there. And the other submission receiving the most votes uh, was from Dot Ico, and their post is a little bit longer, so let me read that for you now. Something I thought of was like a rhythm fighting game. Both you and your opponent can hit each other to the beat of the music. Whoever messes up first, or is overpowered with big attacks, gets hit slash helpless. With a system like this, the opponent can chain attacks together, maybe unlock a solo power-up that eliminates the beat, letting the player with the upper hand launch a flurry of attacks. Maybe there can be complexity introduced by using different attack buttons, A, B, C, block, and chaining these together in certain orders can create special combos that might beat another player's combo forcing them into a helpless state or solo. These combos can be telegraphed in a sense by requiring certain beat signatures to take place. That way both players know what combo the other player might pick coming up in the fight based off the song. This could let each player sort of mind game each other and try to launch combos and counterattacks like a rock, paper, scissors sort of thing. Um, He goes on to say, It occurred to me since a lot of people say fighting is like dancing, so I figured why not lean into that. His elevator pitch version is a rhythm fighting game with rock, paper, scissors, elements, and beat-based combos. Okay, so I know I just read a lot, and reading it out loud, I can understand how that might be hard to follow, but I think the elevator pitch version uh, really sums it up. A rhythm fighting game with rock, paper, scissors, elements, and beat-based combos. So to me, this is like a, I guess this would be like a competitive fighting game. Mixed with like uh, almost like Guitar Hero. I really like the mind game um, idea or mechanic, or anytime you can sort of make deeper mechanics by having sort of feigns and fakes, especially in competitive games, um, that's a really good way to get some more deeper gameplay out of your mechanics. And honestly, in most competitive games, that might even evolve as emergent gameplay. Um, It's certainly something you can encourage. But I think in all competitive games, the first thing people are going to do is, like, directly compete with each other, right? So let's just say it's a fighting game. The first thing they're going to do is just beat the crap out of each other. But after they do that, then the emergent gameplay is going to kind of come out. And then they're going to learn, like, hey, if I fake here, then I, you know, it gives me the upper hand. And you can design your game to really encourage this kind of uh, emergent sort of more strategical gameplay and I think that's what Echo is getting at here with the combos. Having the combos based on what time signature the song is is actually a that's a really sweet idea especially when you consider like the rhythms for a song in like three quarter time is different than a rhythm in four four right? so like three quarter times is like a waltz I think that's like one two three one two three where four over four is like a normal song or it's the most popular one where it's like one two three four one two three four so yeah I can see how that could develop into like getting both the players in that rhythm but yeah I think this idea is overall pretty complex and hard to sum up um and like get the whole picture uh in your mind and so, although there's a lot of complexity in his post, I really think the, if you're, like, giving an elevator pitch, I think the best way to sum it up is exactly how .eco did, which is a rhythm fighting game with rock, paper, scissors, elements, and beat-based combos. So, yeah, those were the two highest-voted uh, submissions for Episode 15's Game Dev Challenge. So, congrats to Aaron Scald, and eco for winning the episode 15 game dev challenge. For this episode um, the prompt is going to be kind of an unorthodox one and the prompt is really more of a call to action. Um, for the next game dev challenge I want you to contribute in some way to the Let'em Dare 47. I should point out I'm going to talk about Let'em Dare 47 uh, a whole bunch in this episode. I should point out in no way are they sponsoring the show? And I'm not getting anything out of having sending you guys to it. I just think it's um, really good for you as a game developer to participate in Game Jams. And the Let'em Dare 47 is upcoming um, October 2nd through the 5th. And I'm just making a big push right now to have a lot of people from our community participate in it. Because uh, I think it would be fun to have kind of a collective participation and like I said, it's one of the best things you can do to get better at game development. So yeah, after you listen to this episode, you'll have some tips for participating in Game Jams. And for the next Game Dev Challenge, um, you can just show off your contribution to Let em Dare 47 And it doesn't have to be an entire game. Of course, that's what the Game Jam is. You're trying to make a game. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but like I said, your contribution doesn't have to be a whole thing if all you have the time to do is make a sprite that deals with the theme of the game jam, or, uh, maybe you just want to submit your idea for a game and do like a game design type submission. Whatever you can contribute, I would encourage you to do so, uh, because you're just getting those reps in and you're getting better at game development. So with that, let's, uh, go over to the body of the episode. So today's episode is on tips for game jams. Um, I'll start by explaining what a game jam is for everyone who doesn't know. A game jam is a competition or challenge uh, to try and make an entire video game from scratch in a small amount of time. Usually that time is 48 hours. In my opinion, it's one of the best ways to get better as a game developer. And I should point out that I didn't have this opinion until recently in my game dev career, I used to kind of look down on game jams um, and thought that sticking with like one long term project was better. Sort of the kind of mindset that like you should just be super dedicated to your long term project. And if you were gonna like grind out a game in 48 hours, why wouldn't you just grind out like a big chunk of your long term project out over a weekend? And so I guess I kind of saw Game Jams as a distraction from like my main projects. Uh, But I participated in my first in 2019 and I realized that Game Jams have a ton of power for developing you as a game developer. And that power comes from the fact that it puts you in an environment where you have to capture and execute on your creativity. What I mean by that is that when you aren't under a time limit Your creativity can kind of just endlessly flow, and that can be for better or for worse. I think one of the easiest examples of this is something that we all struggle with, which is scope creep, Uh, and that's the kind of idea that, like, you keep adding features to your game, and, like, the scope of your game, the features included in your game, uh, like, balloons to such a big project that you can't finish your project, because you just keep adding and adding and adding things. And really it ends up, you would think like a game with a ton of features is actually a really good thing, but really what it ends up is being like a super convoluted and complex idea uh, where like half the features don't really interact with each other and it can just feel really clunky having that much stuff like jam-packed into one game. And so when you're in a game jam, obviously you have a very short time to complete the game And managing your scope and keeping your features as tight as possible is like one of the most important things uh, you have to do. But let's get back to this flow of creativity idea. I hope you can see how that would fit into your scope, right? When your creativity can just endlessly flow your scope just gets crazy big. And that kind of works in the reverse too. If you're too restrictive with your creativity then your game doesn't have much meat to it. So you got to kind of control this scope Uh, so that you can jam-pack as much creativity and cool stuff inside a project that you can actually make. And this is a major key to becoming a good game developer, um, being able to control that creative flow. And this is why I think game jams are so uh, valuable, is that they force you to practice this skill, and uh, you have to be able to control and guide the creative flow in order to design and make a game in 48 hours. And this is true for both extremes, right? If you, like I said, if you go too crazy with the features and the overall game, then your scope's going to be too big. You won't be able to complete it in 48 hours. If you go too small, you're going to kill all the fun, and then you're just going to have a kind of boring and generic game. So game jams really teach you to extract the most creative and fun games uh, you can with the limited amount of resources that you have. These resources might be time, talent, tools, whatever. The point is, is that you want to get the most out of the resources you have available. You want to be able to make the best game that you can with the time and tools that you have and the knowledge that you have, basically. So my first big tip to game jams is just participate in them. And by participate, I mean, like, honestly commit some time to doing a game jam. I know it feels like kind of a daunting thing, like a 48-hour game jam, you're pretty much going to be working on it from Saturday, Sunday, probably even Friday night, so you're kind of committing a whole weekend to doing it, but um, you don't always have to use all 48 hours, and it's also okay not to finish. In fact, in my experience, like only a third of the people who sign up to do it actually finish a game in 48 hours. But... Like I said, you don't also you don't have to use all 48 hours. You could make a game, if you can do it, in like 10 hours if you want. A lot of game jams have like a team element, so maybe you only have uh, like 4 hours, like a Saturday morning that you can contribute. Well, try and find some other people who need someone on their team. Maybe you're a good programmer. Maybe they need someone to program a feature. Maybe you're an artist and you would make some sprites. The whole point of the game jam is just to get better. So basically, if you participate at all, even if you don't finish, if you don't have enough time to do the whole thing, the goal is just to get better, and by honestly committing like a chunk of time to it, I promise you will get better. Speaking of goals, I think going into a game jam, um, you should set a goal for yourself and what you want to get out of it. Of course, the cool part about a game jam is you have to do everything. You have to make it all in one weekend. So you get to learn a lot of different things, um, or maybe practice skills you already know how to do. But I always try and set a goal for myself, like uh, the last Game Jam I participated in. I wanted to do 3D graphics. I wanted to do like a low-poly 3D graphic thing. I had just learned Blender, and I thought it was like the perfect opportunity. And so I really focused on the sort of low-poly 3D graphics for my game, because I had never made that before. And coming out of that game jam, now I feel pretty confident about my low-poly game-making skills. I feel like I could make a 3D low-poly game in about any genre. And that was a huge confidence boost to know that I could do that. And so setting and achieving that goal for me was uh, super valuable. And so I think when you go into a game jam, um, you should set a goal. Like something you specifically want to focus and work on. I think for me, uh, for this upcoming game jam... Uh, I think I want to focus on getting the sound in my game right. Sound, admittedly, for me, has always been like an afterthought. And yeah, if I have one goal for this next game jam, sometimes, most of the time, you don't even make it to sound because, I don't know, I feel like it's the first thing to get cut. We'll talk about like cutting things and features later, but sound is like the first thing to get cut (laughs) for me just because... I, like, grew up playing on a laptop with broken speakers, (laughs) and so I I played video games without sound for a long time, and so, yeah, I don't know, I guess I'm just kind of used to it, but I think sound could make it go a long way, so that's what I'm going to try and do. I'm going to try and uh, really sharpen up my skills so that I can make a game and have a time slot allotted for adding sound and doing some cool sound effects, probably with my mouth or (laughs) whatever I can record, but getting some sound effects into my game. That's going to be my goal for the next game jam for Let'em Dare 47. And so, yeah, I think you should uh, come up with a goal for yourself. So now that you've um, blocked out some time and you want to participate in a game jam and you've set a goal, but you might not know where to start. And by that, I mean you might not know where to find a game jam or how to participate in one or whatever. But the good news is that there's always some kind of game jam going on. Um, itch.io, which is an indie game platform, uh, it's a website. It has a whole game jam schedule, and they've got game jams going on every weekend. So the good news is you'll be able to find one. Um, this episode is going to be focused on Let Them Dare, which was like one of the first game jams, and it actually has its own website because of that. But to kind of future-proof this episode, there will always be game jams going on every weekend. The best way that I've found to find them is to go to itch.io and go to their game jam section. And yeah, another good place to find game jams is if you have a favorite game dev YouTuber, uh, they probably have a yearly game jam. So I would just Google their name, like for instance, uh, Brackies, which... They recently retired on YouTube. Bracky's did. I was heartbroken, but I think they're still going to do their game jam in the future. Um, but anyways, Bracky's is a game dev, sort of Unity-focused YouTube channel that is now sadly retired, but their backlog is great. I would recommend everyone to go watch it, especially if you use YouTube, or especially if you use Unity, rather. But yeah, they put on a, a yearly game jam. I know Game Maker's Toolkit is another... Um, popular game dev youtube channel they put on a year the game jam so yeah i guess the point is that game jams are all over the place so you shouldn't have trouble finding them um, they usually have different themes or different kinds of you know there might be one focused on horror games only or there might be one where you can only use a black and white color palette and then there's obviously the more general ones that are a little bit more accepting of all sorts of different sort of themes and so, yeah, just remember that the focus for this episode... I guess not focus, but the reason that this episode's coming out at the time it is, and the sort of inspiration, is that Let em Dare, which is one of the first Game Jam competitions. Um, Let em Dare 47 is on October 2nd through the 5th, 2020. That should be, like, two weeks after this episode comes out. And, yeah, I'm really pushing for anyone listening and who's up to date right now to go participate. I'll be making a uh, temporary channel in the Discord, and I'll be really pushing people in the Discord to participate, and yeah, I think it would be really fun if we, as a community, kind of uh, participated together. So yeah, anyways, let's uh, get back to the tips. Um, After you've identified which game jam you will participate in, uh, you should learn the rules. And like I said before, um, different game jams have different kind of sets of rules and they're usually targeted towards different kinds of themes or maybe software. Um, but the big general ones usually break down to, into this sort of same format. And the variation, the format comes from um, whether or not you're allowed to do teams or solo. If there's a pre-made art kit, so you're using art sprites and stuff like that that are supplied or if you have to make the art from scratch. And those are just like the things that came to my head when I was thinking about it. I don't know if every jam kind of fits into that one of those four categories. but when I think about it, I usually think about it are that is it a solo game jam? Is it a team game jam? Most of them will accept both and just you'll be put in different categories. And then the other big one is are you using a pre-made art kit or do you have to make the art from scratch? but every jam is a little bit different so it's important to know what the game will be judged on and know the rules before you start the rules are usually super easy to find on the main page of the jam uh, wherever you're getting that information but usually it's a good idea to be familiarized with these because um, the games are judged based on the rule set so you could make a really good game but if you for instance use your own art and not the supplied art kit your game might score a little bit lower so with Let'em Dare, uh, because it's such a big game jam, um, there's actually two jams going on for Let'em Dare 47. It's split into two things. Uh, the first is the jam, and the second is the compo. The jam is a 72-hour game jam where you're allowed to work in teams or alone, um, and you can use pre-existing code, art, music, basically pre-existing projects. So if you have like a prototype you were working on or something like that um, and you want to just knock it out and finish it, uh, I think the jam would be perfect for that. It's also great for teams where uh, maybe only you can get to like four people together who can only contribute, I don't know, four hours. You can use pre-existing code, art, music, whatever, kind of work together and throw it all together and make a game and there you go. In 72 hours you made a game. And you gain some experience with working with teams. Uh, You sort of got the workflow down between like transferring assets. It's all that like little stuff that you'll get better at. And those are real skills that'll help you in your game dev career. So yeah, the jam is kind of the um, sort of part of it where you can hodgepodge things together that you've already made. Uh, Remember, you can work on a team or work alone. And yeah, I think it's good for beginners and maybe people who... Can't make the huge commitment of like taking the whole weekend to make something from scratch so this would be good if you only have a certain amount of time uh, maybe just finish up one of those projects you've prototyped and kind of shelved away so the other jam that's going on for let them dare 47 and these will be going on at the same time is the compo and the compo is like the they describe it as the hard mode and this is the 48 hour solo game jam where you have to make everything other than the tools from scratch. And I'm simplifying the rules a little bit, so I recommend you check them out for yourself. I'll, I'll post them in the Discord. Um, but yeah, this is the one that I plan on participating in. This is kind of the classic game jam rule set. And so everything must be made from scratch uh, other than the tools. So like you're allowed to use a game engine, for instance, or how they put it. I think they say any existing libraries. So you don't have to write Like code a game engine uh, from scratch, although people do do that. I think they're masochists, but (laughs) there are people who do that. So yeah, whether or not you pick the jam or the compo um, for Let Them Dare Forty Seven, there will be one unifying thing, and that is the theme. So regardless of the rule, uh, I guess for any game jam, regardless of the rules, uh, game jams usually have a theme, and the theme is usually announced. Right at the beginning of the jam, and games are usually heavily judged on how well they fit the theme. so right as the game jam starts, the theme will be announced it usually'll be like something like um one button or I think a recent let 'em dare one was keep it alive, and what I do is when the theme is announced. I write down everything that comes to my mind right away. Even the craziest ideas I have. I just write it all down on a piece of scratch paper. I usually try and think of an idea that reflects the theme through the gameplay. So obviously for one button, the theme, um, that's pretty easy. But uh, I'll just say the most recent um, game jam I participated in, which was the Game Makers Toolkit 2020 jam, the theme was out of control. And so I wrote down all my ideas, and one of my ideas was this game Plinko from The Price is Right, which if you <laughs> are younger than 75 and don't watch The <laughs> Price is Right every day, um, Plinko is like you take like a hockey puck, and there's this vertical board with all these pegs sticking out. And you drop the hockey puck, and it bounces all over the pegs, and you're trying to land it in like a slot that has a bunch of money. Uh, If you land the puck in that slot, it gives you a bunch of money. And basically, the puck just bounces wildly out of control, but there is some strategy as to where you place the puck, and I think the amount of pucks you get is based on, like, a money game that you play prior to it. But anyways, when the theme Out of Control was announced, that's, like, the first thing that came to mind. And I eventually adapted that into the game I made for that game jam uh, called Bomber's Pass. And this is where you take some bombs and put them into like hoppers along a steep hill. And down at the bottom of the hill, there's a highway and army trucks are going back and forth. And you got to try and hit the army trucks uh, by bouncing the balls, the bombs rather, down the hill. So you fill up your hoppers with a bunch of bombs and then you see the trucks coming in the distance and you got to open up the hoppers and the balls bounce down the hill and they bounce off things and each other and they blow up the trucks. Um, there's also like pedestrian cars going by, and you are trying not to hit the cars. And so yeah, this kind of fit the theme of out of control um, through the gameplay by you don't have direct control over the bombs. Uh, you're not really guiding them, you're just sending them down the hill hoping that they you timed up the bounces and everything right um, so that they hit the army trucks. But yeah, anyways, that's an example of how you might match the theme through gameplay. That's not the only way to do it, though. You could also match the theme through something else, like the graphics, or the story, or even the music. The reason I do it to the gameplay is that I like to play to my strengths. And that's my next tip. Um, In a game jam, you want to leverage your strengths as much as you can. I try to use the good old 80-20 rule. 80% of the game is stuff I know how to make, and make well, and stuff I've done before. And the other 20% of the game is stuff I've never tried or things that I have tried but I know are a little more risky. So yeah, you want to play to your strengths. If you're an artist, uh, maybe focus your game on the art side of things with respect to how it fits the theme. Uh, If it's a team game jam, this is even better because then you, you know usually artists team up with programmers or something like that. Everyone can kind of contribute their strengths. And then you just use each other's strengths, and then you can have a pretty solid team and a pretty solid game. But yeah, a game jam isn't the time to, like, do something you totally have never done before. Although, if it's your first game jam, I mean, sooner or later you gotta do something you've never done before. So, don't let that scare you away if it's your first one, or you feel inexperienced, or you feel like you don't know how to do everything to complete a game. Um, The only way you're going to get to the point where you do is if you try. So, yeah, but if your goal is to, like, really compete in the game jam and try and score high, you're going to want to play to your strengths. So, another good tip and a very important tip is that uh, you should make a schedule and a plan. And I know this sounds like a, like, duh, (laughs) but when I first participated, the first game jam, I didn't finish. And uh, it's because I did not have a schedule or a like concrete plan. I just kind of like, wandered through the development, uh, through the duration of the jam, and the deadline really crept up on me. And before I knew it, I had an incomplete game and the deadline had passed. So having a schedule, like a rigid schedule and a plan, uh, will exponentially increase your chances at finishing a game. When you fall behind schedule, and you probably will, uh, don't be afraid to cut things to stay on schedule. A completed game with a small scope does better, and I think you learn more, than an unfinished game with an ambitious scope. That kind of goes back to the idea of the most, or one of the biggest skills you learn from this is scope management. Um, I think another one is planning and scheduling. And yeah, I think... Having a good schedule and plan will help you manage the scope, and you will learn way more if you complete a game A to Z than uh, just put in a bunch of features into kind of a weird, ambitiously scoped game that doesn't get finished. And you might be able to package that up and ship it for the game jam, but you can always tell the games that were finished, um, like according to the original plan, and the games that were finished <laughs> in a mad dash at the end of the game jam. And so, yeah, I think keeping the scope small, completing, and keeping a schedule and all that, not only will your game place better in the rankings, but you'll also learn more and get more out of the game jam. This is a really big one. Don't forget to leave time in your schedule for sleeping, eating, uh, like taking breaks. You will definitely burn yourself out if you try to use all 48 hours. Cutting things to scan stay on schedule like the last thing you should cut. In fact, don't even cut them. Don't cut sleeping. Don't cut eating. Don't cut taking breaks. Um, These things are important. One for your health, but two, if you don't do them, you're gonna burn out. You're gonna be worse at programming. You're gonna be worse at doing art. It's kind of like with race cars. They don't just do the whole race. They gotta get like maintenance. In between the laps even though other people are probably passing them they're probably losing a little bit of progress but if they don't do the maintenance they won't even finish the race so yeah that's Im- important and make sure you leave room for that stuff in your schedule so my next tip is that remember that people will be playing and judging a lot of games for this game jam um, and so the amount of time someone plays your game will actually be pretty minimal this is why small-scope and well-polished is king in game jams. You only really need to shoot for a solid 5 to 10 minutes of gameplay. A few levels that show off a simple and fun mechanic can go a really long way. My template is that I usually like to do one or two um, strong but simple mechanics that have some variations and uh, require like a little bit of practice to get good at. Um, ideally these mechanics can be combined in a way that offers more than just their face value. This is why I think actually puzzle games are really popular for game jams. It's because puzzle games offer this sort of idea that you can combine one or two mechanics to like get a lot of mileage out of that um, sort of idea. And like I said, I'm a game designer. That's the sort of avenue that I approach game dev from. And you know, on the show, if you've listened to previous episodes, I always talk about being a Swiss army knife and being able to do everything is a a good thing. Um, But everyone approaches it from something different. You know, you have a background. And like I said, you should play to your strengths. So that's why the mechanics, That's why I have a template for the mechanics and how I like to make game jams. The art perspective is where I take some risks. I usually like to find an interesting art tutorial online and try to implement that. And I know what you're thinking, why would I take the thing that isn't my background and take the risk with that? You would think you would take the risk with the thing that you're most familiar with. But my logic is that if the mechanics are strong, um, the game can always fall back on that. If I fail at implementing the art tutorial I look up, um, I can always go with something more simple. And although my game not, might not rank very high in the art department, the mechanics, like strong mechanics, will at least keep it fun. Plus, there's a whole sort of benefit side effect that if I'm taking risks with the thing I'm not familiar with, I'm like kind of doubling down on learning something new and getting more out of the game jam. So yeah, you can go with whatever strategy you feel comfortable with, I would, again, recommend that you play to your strengths. I assume that for artists, they will probably uh, bank on having like a really good-looking game and then take risks with the gameplay. And if the gameplay just doesn't work out or you know, doesn't really compel the player that much, at least the art will look really nice. And the person who made the game will learn more about game design and they'll get better at the thing that they were weaker at to begin with. So I think this is an effective strategy, but it's kind of a personal thing. I wouldn't take that as like a strict tip that that's the way you should do it. Um, That's just the way that I look at it. I like to take risks on things that I already don't know too much about. Speaking of art, um, like I said, when I do it, I like to look up an art tutorial online and try and implement that. And if that doesn't work out, uh, I take it to something more simple. And you can still make a good looking game with simple art. I recommend you listen to the Game Art for Non-Artists episode to learn more about that. But art is important, um, and the way your game looks is important, because it'll determine how many people click on your game uh, to judge it. So don't just, like, totally throw art out the window and just count on, like, a solid mechanic uh, to carry your game all the way through. Remember, Game Dev is about the melding of all these different crafts and so you gotta be good at programming gotta be good at art you gotta be good at sound design you gotta be good at a bunch of things to put together like a whole complete game and game jam games because they're done in such a small amount of time often have holes in these sort certain areas but the best game jam games can pull off everything in some degree or another So not everyone's expecting like a beautiful game with uh, super deep mechanics and impressive technical specs and all that. Um, But just make sure you're doing the best you can with each of the sort of things that go into your game. It's really easy to tell when you're playing a Game Jam game what was done as an afterthought. In fact, it's really easy to tell when you're playing any game what was done as an afterthought so I guess my point is that stick figure art is fine as long as you like put effort into the stick figure art people can tell you can tell the difference between like stick figure art that people put effort into and stick figure art that was drawn hastily in like 15 minutes and the same goes for the flip side of the debate A game mechanic, a beautiful game with a game mechanic that was designed in 15 minutes is super noticeable. So yeah, remember that it's a a holistic approach trying to meld all of these things together. And it's really easy to tell when someone didn't put the effort into either the art or the programming or the whatever. Basically, the point is don't hamper like the thing that you spend a lot of time on and your strength uh, by having a super weak and non-viable other piece of the puzzle. So my next tip is make sure that you leave yourself some time before the deadline. The submission process can take a while. It kind of depends on the jam and like the servers of the jam sometimes even. But don't wait till like the last minute to submit your game. I would maybe try and finish and like call it done like an hour or two hours, probably two hours before the actual deadline of the game jam. This will make sure that if you have like any bugs or anything, uh, any problems with the submission, you have plenty of time to do that. And once you get it submitted, then of course you can, like maybe you find a bug after, you can resubmit. Remember from the polishing episode that the polish should be a, a pretty considerable part of your schedule. So hopefully you're not finding bugs after you submit it, but I think it's better to submit Uh, Maybe a little early and know that you made the deadline and rather than like spend your whole weekend making a game and then not make the deadline because you were like typing the description on the submission in the last 10 minutes. That would be really frustrating. So yeah, make sure you leave yourself enough time for the submission. After the Game Jam's deadline passes, um, the judging phase will start. It usually lasts, like, a week or so, and you should know that it's polite and will make you better if you play and judge others' games. Usually how it works is there's, like, a small handful of judges who determine, like, the top 20, but to narrow it down from there, everyone's input is taken. Every jam's a little bit different. I think, actually, in the Let'em Dare, it's just everyone's input, and there is no, like, panel of judges. But for some of the other, especially the ones that are like sponsored by a YouTuber or whatever, they'll usually have everyone narrow it down to like the top 50 and then they'll pick their favorites. But anyways, for pretty much all game jams, you will be allowed to judge others' games. And it's polite to do a lot of them, or as many as you can. And remember, it's kind of expected that you're only going to spend like 5 or 10 minutes with each game, right? Because everyone's trying to get as many grades in as they can. So if you can spare like 15 minutes and play three games and offer some constructive criticism, one it's a nice thing to do and two I think you're gonna have fun because people always come up with crazy awesome ideas. Um, You're gonna be impressed with what other people can do and you're gonna learn from playing other people's projects. And so once the judging process is done uh, your game will be ranked. Ranks usually come in categories like art or fun or how well it fit the theme I wouldn't be too unless you're like real expert or real competitive or something um I wouldn't be too worried about what your rank is I would just look at the sort of relative grades of your game so like if your fun score is significantly higher than your art score then you know where you need to you know work on to kind of balance those things a little bit better. Like I said, remember, it's a holistic approach to game dev, and so you kind of want all of those things relatively the same. Ideally, your fun and art score would all be together. That would mean you were a pretty well-rounded game dev, and you made a pretty well-rounded game. And at the end, after you have your scores and um, you've done the game jam and all that, um, that's even if you didn't finish, actually, You're going to get to this point where you want to reflect on your game. Um, You want to look at the things that you did well and maybe you didn't do so well. And most importantly, you want to know why um, things went well and why they didn't go well. This is where you're going to get a whole lot better by sort of acquiring this information. Hopefully others will have left you some criticism about your game. And you can go back to the Getting Better episode. Uh, to learn about criticism, and maybe sometimes you want to take criticism, sometimes you don't. But usually the game dev community is pretty cool, so you won't find criticism that's unfair or just mean. Pretty much everyone understands that we're all doing this to get better, so there can be a lot learned from other people's comments on your game. So I know I just said a lot, I'm going to quickly summarize it all up for you guys. Um, Game jams are a great way for learning how to control your creativity and get the most out of your skills. When you start you should set a goal for yourself and what you want to get out of the game jam. Um, Give it your honest effort and I promise you will come out a stronger game dev than you were when you started. Remember to know the rules of your game jam and try to fit the theme uh, to the game. I like to start by writing down all of my ideas and then pick the best ones. Um, that will allow me to play to my strengths. Making a schedule and planning the scope of your game is super important. Um, Know that you will most likely have to cut things and reduce your scope in order to finish your game on time. But that's okay because you're designing a short play experience. Um, A well polished, tight mechanic will go a long way in a game jam. I like to use the 80-20 rule which allows me to play to my strengths and things that I know how to do well and take some risks on things maybe I don't know that much. This kind of has the double effect of teaching me a lot and I get to learn a lot about something I didn't know very much about going in. And you can always count on your game being able to fall back on something and that fallback should be something that you know how to do well. So that's why you play to your strengths on things you do well and take risks with things you don't know how to do as well that's just my personal strategy you can go with your own um, that's just the thing that works for me remember you don't have to have fancy art you just have to figure out a style that looks good and be can be done simply um, a good episode to check out for this is game art for non-artists I think was the name of the episode it's one of the earlier ones you can use the same logic if you are approaching game dev from the other side of the coin, which is like the artist's side. So you don't have to have a fancy uh, gameplay or really complex and deep gameplay. You just have to figure out something that is fun and can be done simply. Remember to leave yourself plenty of time for the submission process. And once the deadline has passed, the judging phase will start. Take the time to play some others' games, leave them ratings, leave them constructive criticism. This will be like the funnest part of the game jam, and you'll also learn a lot by doing it. And lastly, you should reflect on your goal in your game once the game jam is over. You should reflect on these things as a whole and learn as much as you can from it. I promise that if you do this, your confidence and knowledge will grow, and you'll be a much better game developer um, than when you start. Lastly, I just want to announce that I'll be making a temporary channel on the Discord uh, for Let'em Dare 47, which is October 2nd through the 5th. I would like to see um, anyone from the community who can participate. I'd like to see them participate. I know that committing the whole weekend can be tough. Um, People are busy. they got things going on, especially in the weekend. Uh, But even if you can just participate for just Saturday morning, or maybe you can only throw a few hours here or there, I think you will be a better game developer for it, and you'll probably, you will, have some fun uh, doing it. As for the community, we'll have the temporary channel set up. I think it'll be super cool to be able to discuss, like, right when the theme drops, for instance. It'll be fun to bounce ideas off each other. Um, If there are people who can only put in a little bit of time and maybe want to team up, that could be a good place to do it. And of course, when we're done, we're going to play all each other's games. Um, And talk about it. And yeah, I think it's just going to be a really fun event for the community. And this will be, I think, probably the first event that uh, (laughs) we sort of participate in as a group. I'm kind of laughing because I've never uh, put together like a group participation thing. So I hope I'm doing this right and making it easy for people to do. But I'm sure we'll figure it out. So yeah, I think this is going to be a really fun thing for the community to all get together on. Remember that the game dev challenge is to contribute in some way to Let'em Dare 47. Um, Even if you can't participate fully, just listen to the theme or read the theme. I'll post the theme on the uh, temporary channel and write your idea out for a game. uh, Make some sprites, uh, some music, whatever you can, whatever way you can contribute. Like I said, if you're looking for the quickest and best way to get better at game development, look no further than Game Jams. And if you're looking for the funnest way to do a Game Jam, I think it's to do it with our community on the Discord. So yeah, look out for that uh, temporary channel in the coming weeks. So with that, I'm going to end the episode. Um, The next episode, which will come out right after the Game Jam ends... Uh, That will be October the 7th. It'll be Quick Tips number 3. There'll also probably be a pretty strong element in there talking about the Game Jam. Sort of the lessons we learned. And I'll probably talk about some other people's games. uh, Especially people from our own Discord. So look out for that one. That one will be interesting. Um, If you want to reach out to me, the best way is to join our Discord... The open invite link is in the show notes. I'll also be in my Twitter bio. If you want to follow me on Twitter, that's at underscore Zaccavelli underscore. It's the same handle on Instagram. And yeah, I love talking about game development. So anytime you want to reach out, I'm all ears. With that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zaccavelli. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Brackies, And I'll see you guys next time.